important words that we see in the Bible across the Bible is grace can you say grace the word that is translated into grace in the New Testament that really comes from the Greek word Strong's G 5485 Harris can you say Harris so that is the original Greek term which is eventually translated into English as grace so the harris means favor, blessings, kindness, and compassion. That's what is the meaning of the original term for grace. Now at times we are all good in extending our grace to others. But when it comes to receiving grace from God, it's totally a different matter and it is all powerful when we receive grace from God God shows both mercy and grace but they are not the same both mercy and grace are totally different if you can get get the next slide please mercy means God withholds the punishment that we deserve that's what mercy means do we have any mercy in this house no do we have any grace in this house so many grace so many graces who are all those graces oh no nobody <laughs> okay who are all those graces can you can i see your hands yes grace 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 so many grace i wish we need to bring mercy mercies are missing in this house amen are you okay let's bring more mercies in this house and mercy and grace let them walk together in this house amen so grace and mercy are different mercy is withhold god withholds the punishment that we deserve grace is god gives us a blessing gives us those blessings which we don't deserve does it make sense god is withholding those punishment that we deserve that is mercy but god gives those blessings even though we don't deserve that is what is grace grace is god's greatest gift to the least deserving God's greatest gifts to the least deserving like you and me so when we study you know this morning this sermon is going to be a little bit of study and I want you to help me I want you to cooperate with me it's going to be a little Bible study over here so when we study we expect to get good score and when we do our work when we work hard we expect to get promoted and when we study and learn and when we grow when we improve and we know we we grow in our been personally when we grow we want to try to reach our potential that god has given in our lives but when we are under grace we get undeserved favor unmerited favor from god that doesn't mean that we don't need to study that doesn't mean that we don't need to do hard work it means when we are under grace we get favor even hard work cannot bring those favor in our lives are you with me this morning we get those favors even hard work and hard putting hard effort in our study those things cannot bring those favors in our lives those favors are brought in our lives when we are under grace can i hear an amen this morning amen this grace is a difference maker in your life 
His grace is the difference maker in your life. Today you work in an organization, you study in an institution, you know, when you have such a grace of God, a favor of God in your life, that makes you unique, that makes you different. This, makes, this grace makes you to stand out in the crowd because you have favor of God. You have grace of God in your life. This grace makes others to know that you are a blessed child of God. You are a blessed man of God. You are a blessed woman of God. Grace is something which is very precious in our lives. And you know what? This grace is free. This grace is free. But it is not cheap. It is costly. This grace is free. But this grace is not cheap. And it is very costly. Because the price is already paid for us to obtain this grace. This morning I would like to title my sermon as Free But Not Cheap. Can you say that with me? Free But Not Sheep. I want to take you through different aspects of this sermon this morning quickly. Number one, let's talk about how grace is free. How come grace is free? How come grace is totally free? Because we know Jesus already paid the price for our grace. Can you hear an amen this morning? Jesus already paid the price. It's a gift in our, given in our hands. It is free. We don't pay for it. We can't earn it. We can't work to obtain grace. We can just receive grace as a free gift because the price is already paid. It is totally free for the recipient. But it is not free for the giver. You and us, ourselves as a recipient, we receive it for free. But for the provider, it is not free. It is not free. The provider has paid an enormous amount of price. For us to give this grace free for free can you read a scripture roman chapter 3 verse 24 can you read with me being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in christ jesus freeing justified being justified freely by his grace justified simply means we just, we are just as if we have never committed any sin. Even after committing a sin, when we are justified by God, that simply says, you have never committed a sin. That is what is justification. Where can this come from? How can we get this for free? Well, the system has to punish somebody who committed a crime but our godly system says, you are free. I don't punish you anymore. How this magic happens, it happens because of grace. Can you read that again? Being justified freely by his grace. Justification is possible because of his grace. Because of his grace. It is free. Secondly, it is free, but it is not cheap. It is free, but it is not cheap. Sometimes we treat grace cheap, so cheap. I want you to listen to me this morning. Not because we attach a low price tag to grace, listen to me, but because how do we treat grace after receiving, after obtaining the grace? That makes it so cheap. It's not because of it has a low price tag on it, but it is because the way we handle grace after we receive grace, that makes it to consider that it is so cheap. 
The term cheap grace was originally coined by a German writer and theologian by name Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer. So he, in his book by name, The Cost of Discipleship, it was published in 1933. In his book, if you can put the next slide, in his book he says, Bonhoeffer says, talks about cheap grace. Cheap grace. And this is what he has defined. I brought this into the into picture this morning because this helps us to our sermon this morning. Grace is free, but it is not cheap. Why do you say it's not cheap? He says, when we think about, when we preach about forgiveness without requiring repentance. Are you with me? Do you understand what I'm talking about? When you preach forgiveness without repentance, we are treating the grace for cheap. Are you with me? Are you able to understand? When we teach about forgiveness, repentance, forgiveness, and when we teach about salvation, and when we teach without repentance, you can do whatever you want. You don't need to repent. You don't need to turn back turn to God, but still God forgives. That means that's wrong. That means we are treating the grace so cheap. So grace is not cheap. It is not cheap. When we baptize people without church discipline, he writes in his book saying that when we baptize people and let them go, they don't need to come back to church. They don't need to see God again. They can do whatever they want. We, that simply means, you know, God says, don't do, don't give baptism for such people. If you baptize such people, then you are accountable. We are treating the grace for so cheap. That's why we need church discipline. That's why we need punctuality. That's why we need pastors and elders to talk to you, to call you, and to edify you, and to instruct you, and to correct you. Why? We want to make sure that grace is not taken for granted. We want to make sure grace is not treated so cheap. And we are accountable because there's a, remember, there's a price paid for that already. And we, 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 we are accountable. It's something like we have handled our own money. It doesn't matter. Nobody's going to care for it. But when we handle somebody else's money, you become accountable. You become more accountable. Charitable organization is more accountable to the government. Why? Because you don't handle your own money. You handle all of our money. And the more you handle others' money, you are becoming more accountable. Accounting is important. Everything becomes important. We get audited by CRA. Everything is happening. It's all important because we are more accountable. When we give communion, when we give communion without confession, we are cheap. Treating grace as so cheap. Grace without cross. Grace without discipleship. Grace without Jesus Christ is treated as so cheap. Grace is grace with all the blessings, but without Christ. When you seek God only for blessings, listen to me this morning. When you seek God only for blessings, but when you don't want Christ, you don't want to give time for Christ, you don't want to walk in his ways, we are treating grace so cheap. Blessings without Christ. That's why we say do not seek the blessings, but seek the one who gives blessings. We don't follow Christ for blessings. If we follow Christ thinking that something will happen if I go to church, the moment that happens, you stop coming to church. Don't follow Christ for blessings. We will be more pitiable than all if we seek God for blessings. Seek God because you love God. 
Seek God because you want to discipline your life. You want to follow Christ and you want your children to follow Christ. Seek God for some reason that is not materialistic. Do not come to church to conduct your business. Do not come to church to look at people and do not come to church to feel good. Come to church only if you want to seek God. Can I hear an amen here? Cheap grace is thinking about the life on this earth. Don't have any focus on eternity. Throughout the scripture, God promises, God motivates us always. Everything that he did on the face of this earth is pointing towards eternity, pointing towards eternity. This morning, if we follow God, thinking about every time, 24 by seven, thinking about what can I do? Where can I go? Where can I get more money? How can I do this? How can I do that? And if you do not think about God, think about eternity, we are treating the grace for cheap. Cheap grace is not thing to do with God at times. Church can still continue to run. You don't need to have anything to do with God. Church can still continue to run. That simply means we are treating grace so cheap. Uh, we can be, continue to be Christians, but we don't need to have anything with God. That simply means that we are treating grace for so cheap. So grace is free, but it is not cheap. And you know what Bible says? Those who treat grace cheaply, they deserve punishment. Can you read the scripture? Hebrews 10, 29. So afraid at this morning to even to read the scripture. Hebrews chapter 10, 29. Can you read it with me? Of how much worse punishment do you suppose? Will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the spirit of grace? When we treat the blood of Jesus as a common thing, when we insult the Holy Spirit of grace, Spirit of grace, the punishment is going to be severe. We need, we are accountable. We are accountable. Thirdly, this grace is costly. This grace is free. This grace is not cheap, but this grace is costly. Those who treat grace, as a cheap thing, we need to realize that this grace is costly. Grace is expensive. Grace is very costly. I want to read a couple of scriptures. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. Can you read with me? In him we have redemption. Through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Grace is rich. It's free. It's not cheap. But it is costly because it is rich. How much it costs God to give us the grace for free. You know, today there are books are free, there are materials are free, literatures are free, uh, you know, there, there, are, there, there are documents which are free. But always remember there is somebody who has sat and written all these documents. Someone has paid the price for it. So how much it costs God to give this grace for free. Any idea? How much it costs for God? How much? The life of his own son. It costs God the life of his own son to give us this grace for free. Do you know how was it paid? It was paid at the cross. It was paid at the cross. Do you know what is the term for this payment? The payment started the moment he left the garden of Gethsemane. 
Even at the garden of Gethsemane, he started making the payment for the free gift of grace that God could give and you and I are able to enjoy today. God started paying the payment even at the garden of Gethsemane until he dropped his last drop of blood. Until he gave up his spirit to the Father. That was the term of that payment. Does it make any sense at all to you this morning? If you really love God, if you understand the payment that he paid for you and me at the cross, we will really appreciate the love that he has upon us. How does the grace revealed? How that grace was revealed? It is revealed through the blood. Through the blood that he shed for us at the cross. Only a father knows the value of his son. Or only the mother knows the value of his son. Son or daughter. Father had to give his own son. You know, if the son is in some ill-fated condition, for example, if the son is, his son is about to lose in the battle of life for some reason, the father there is willing to pay whatever he can somehow to rescue the life of the son. But here we are talking about another scenario where God was giving his own son how much he would have paid. That is the price of the grace that we are talking about this morning. We were bought with the price. Reading 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 20 from NLT. For God, can you read with me? For God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. So he paid a high price. So we talked about this morning a couple of things. Grace is free, but it is not cheap. It is costly. Number four, the final aspect of grace this morning I want to talk about is we have an option either to allow grace or to resist. Can you say with me? Allow or resist. That option is up to us. The grace can be allowed or the grace can be resisted. Remember, grace is also an attribute of God. Our God is gracious. Because God is gracious, he displayed his grace to the mankind by giving his own son through his son. And Jesus came and he demonstrated that grace. The grace can be allowed or resisted. How can we resist grace? You can put the next slide. There are a couple of areas, a couple of means through which we resist grace. Number one, the bitterness limits the grace of God. Pride limits, resists the grace of God. Depending on our flesh, depending on our work, frustrates the grace of God. Three things that we are talking about. Number one, bitterness. Can you say bitterness with me? Bitterness. Secondly, pride. And thirdly, depending on our flesh. Can you read Hebrews chapter 12 verse 15? Can you read that together this morning? Hebrews chapter 12 verse 15. Looking carefully. Lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And by this many became defiled. People fall short of the grace of God today. We can limit grace in our lives. We can allow grace not to be beneficial in our lives by having bitterness. What is bitterness? Carrying something against somebody, at times even carrying something against God. We all have conflicts. 
We all have difference of opinions. At times we argue, we fight even. But that doesn't mean that we need to have bitterness in our heart. Bitterness is something, is, bitterness is something different. At times you may even not to talk to somebody, but it's not good. Still you need to talk to you, but then at times we may choose not to talk to you. Yesterday evening we were talking about toxic relationships. I remember I preached on this a couple of years ago. Toxic relationships. You know, sometimes we don't even talk to those individuals, but still you can be free of bitterness in your life. Can I hear an amen? It's tough. It's tough. But God is asking you not to limit your grace. Not to limit the grace of God in your life. Number two, we talked about pride resists the grace of God. James chapter 4 verse 6. Can you read with me? James 4 6. But he gives more grace. Therefore he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Looks like grace, the amount of grace that we receive depends on how much we humble ourselves. You know, humbling our pride is an inborn nature of all of us. Pride was the reason for the fall of the angel who was worshiping God. Pride is the reason for many such difficulties that we enter into in our day-to-day -day living. And God is saying us, if you have pride in our life, we resist the grace of God. He gives grace to the humble, but he limits, he limits grace to the pride. That simply means if you are, we are prideful, if I am prideful, I fail to experience the grace of God. You know, God's grace is plenty. God's grace is available for everybody. But the moment I bring myself into the picture, the moment I am prideful, the moment I am puffed up, when I start thinking that I'm somebody greater than everybody, pride comes in my life. When I talk to some people, I listen, I can do this, I can do that. You don't know what I'm going through. You know, sometimes we hear people talking like this, and at times I, do, I used to do that. The more I we use, that simply tells us we have more, more pride. I mean, pride, we are not talking about something which is somebody else is having. We are talking about something which we have, I have. The more I use, and that's why I say that when we gather together and pray, just don't pray, I, Lord, I. What about the people who are standing next to you? You don't even care for them? Can't you say we? All the languages, whenever we pray, whenever we come together, use the language which is appropriate that shows us we include everybody. When we are prideful, we don't include people. We segregate them. We separate them because they don't speak my language. They don't look like me. They don't follow God. They look so ugly. They are not godly. We segregate people. That simply means we are not spiritual. No, 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 no. That's totally wrong. If that is what is the church taught you, just you need to just forget it. If you're segregating them as groups and people and sinners and, you know, godly people, believers, unbelievers, do not even use those words. When we say that, it just simply means that we are prideful. And God wants us not to be prideful. There are times we make the same mistake that they make. God doesn't want us to be prideful. And when we are prideful, we limit the grace. Number three, 
We talked about when we depend on our flesh. Are you with me this morning? I know it's a little follow. It's difficult to follow. Just listen to me. It will bless us, our lives. It will change our lives. When we totally depend on our flesh, we frustrate the grace of God. Let's read Galatians chapter 3, verse 3. Paul got really annoyed when he wrote this to the Galatians. And he's starting this chapter 3 to Galatians. He's saying, are you so foolish? Having begun in the spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? You know, when we give more importance to our flesh, when we give more importance to our hard work, then the spirit of God, then the spiritual things, God is even calling us as foolish, as foolish. By relying on our own flesh, we frustrate the grace of God. You know, this morning, you need the grace of God. I need the grace of God to continue in our lives. And all that we need to do is we need to remove bitterness totally. We need to pluck the root of bitterness. That's what the Bible says. We need to pluck the root of bitterness from our lives. And we may have to come down, bring us down. We have to remove pride from our lives. And we need to depend on the Spirit of God than depending on our own flesh. And then we will experience the grace of God Finally, how do we allow? Why should we allow the grace of God in our lives? You can put the next slide. There are three reasons we need the grace of God in our lives. Number one, we need his grace in our weaknesses. Amen? How many of us are so strong here? We don't need God's grace. Do we feel any of us feel that way? I don't think so. We all need his grace. We all weak. We all weak. In times of need, we all have different kinds of varieties of needs in our lives. We need the grace of God in sufferings. When we go through sufferings, we need, we let, let's listen to a couple of scriptures and we close. Number one, we need to allow the grace of God in our weaknesses. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. Can you read with me? 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. Let's read just the first part. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weaknesses. <clears throat> Paul was asking God about his weakness in his body, in his life. And God is telling him, what is sufficient? My grace is sufficient. We need to allow God's grace to come in our lives, in our weaknesses. Now there are times we are weak. We are weak emotionally at times. Many times we are weak emotionally. We don't have strength to do anything physically. You are, you, you are able to, you are, you are capable. But at times, emotionally, we are down. That doesn't really allow us to do anything. It doesn't allow us to move forward. When you are emotionally weak. But God is saying, can you allow? Can you allow my grace to handle you at this situation? I will take you through. I will carry you through. You need my grace. In our weaknesses, number two, we need to allow God's grace in times of need. There are needs that cannot be met. As Rajesh was telling us to trust in God, there are needs that we need to trust in God for us to have an answer in those areas. Can you allow God? Allow God's grace in those areas in our life. Hebrew chapter 4 verse 16, can you read with me? Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in times of need. In time of need, we need the grace of God. You know, before you look for anything else, before you look for some way of meeting that particular need, can you ask for God's grace? Practical things. 
in your work situation, in your business condition, in your relationship, in, your, in the matter of matter concerning your children, matter concerning your future. Can you just ask for God's grace? You know, you would have never prayed in this way, maybe at times in those situations, just sit and kneel down, just only ask for God your grace, your grace. You don't need to define what you need to God, God knows. But what you need to ask for is God, in this situation, I need your grace to handle it. I started this business, it's not flourishing. Lord, I, my, I, I try to study, but I'm, it's not even getting in there. I try to build my family, Lord, but I'm unable to do it. Can you just ask for grace in that situation? You will see the God's grace because it's plenty. It's already freely given. It is already given by God, but we need to do it. We need to appropriate it. We need to take it. We need to just swallow it. We need to just get into the situation. When we have grace in our lives, we will see the hand of God. Number three, we talked about allow grace in your sufferings. Can you read from 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10? Can you read with me? But may the God of all grace, who called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. God is saying that your settlement has not come yet. And he's asking not to jump from one end to the other end. But you need to wait. May the God of all grace give you grace to perfect you. The suffering is for a moment. God is teaching something to you during your struggles and your sufferings. It is not there for, uh, without reason. It is there for your reason. You're going through it today for a reason. Because you need to be perfected. If you don't get perfected, God allows one more. If you don't get perfected, you don't come to the expectation of God. He will allow another one in your life. Not to harm you, not to break you, not to put you down, but to make you. Can I hear an amen this morning? Do you believe that that's how God works in our lives, your life and my life? He teaches those lessons in our lives. When we go through those sufferings, he perfects us. How it happens is all happens because of his grace. He establishes us, he strengthens us, and he settles us. We need his grace. We need to allow his grace in our lives. Remember, we obtained this grace because Jesus paid for it. Jesus took your place and my place and he allowed himself to be broken. That's how we are able to experience this grace in the year 1860. 1860, I want you to follow the years for, to understand this story, this illustration. One man who left his wife in 1860 in the east coast of the United States and he went to California, the southern west, to seek riches and prosperity so that he can bring his wife and son from the east coast to the west coast once he establishes himself there. You can imagine people do that now, but you can imagine in 1860, somebody is doing that. So he went there and he established himself and now he asked his wife and son to come over to join him. But instead of suffering that rugged journey across the land, you all know how the United States is spread across. You need eight hours even to cross over the flight, six hours to eight hours. And in order to avoid the rugged journey of the land, through the land, it may take weeks together for wife and son to reach California. He said, he arranged in fact to board a ship from the East Coast to 
California in 1860. Remember the Panama Canal below Mexico was not established at that time. It was established only in 1914. You didn't have Panama Canal for the ship to go through it. And you have the North America, you have the South America. The ship has to take a journey from New York all the way around South America to get into Los Angeles or San Francisco in California. That was a journey. Ticket was purchased and they boarded the ship. The sea passage in those days at the bottom of South America was really notorious for violent storms. Storms were so violent in the, in the southern Pacific and southern Atlantic, so severe, and unfortunately the ship carrying this man's precious cargo, like his wife and son, was involved in one of those severe storms, and the ship was going down. Looking at the desperate situation, people and the crew member, they wanted to save their lives and they wanted it, they were kind of scrambled everywhere to get into the lifeboats. Lifeboats were limited without any hesitation. Certainly this mother wanted to save the child and she wanted to save herself because she had been waiting and waiting for his, her husband to establish himself in the western part of the United States and in, send an invite. Now the invite and the time has come. She somehow wanted to survive to reach her husband. But soon she realized that the lifeboat has only one seat available. She lifted her son and put him in the seat and looked at him at the last time and she said, when you get to California, tell your father that your mother died for you. When you get to California, tell your father that your mother died for you. And she sang into the water and gave her last breath. In order for him to leave, she knew very well that she had to die at that moment. That's what exactly took place at the cross. For, shall we all just rise? For us to live, for us to become alive in our dead situation, Jesus had to take that heavy seat by himself, allowing himself to die at the cross. And today you and I, we commit sin, sin after sin, and we say sorry and we are forgiven. That forgiveness even though it is free, it's not cheap and it is costly because somebody gave his life. Someone gave his life. This morning, God wants us to realize that this grace that we enjoy today, this grace, it's an amazing grace.